welcome to the Chronically Real Podcast. Real life, real talk. I'm your host, CMT Strong, and I'm sitting here with DO3. What's up? Well, nothing much. I'm excited for, what is this, episode eight now? Yep, episode eight. We're about two months of doing this. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's wow. been going well, too. We got listeners across different countries, many in the United States. A lot who are from the CMT Strong Facebook group, so appreciate that. We enjoy the support. Was that guy in the gym totally working out in Speedos today? Uh, to be honest with you, I thought they were ch- chonies. <laughs> I'm being honest. I don't know. I feel like they were chonies. That They just looked like it was cloth. It wasn't even like spandex. There was no shine to it, huh? Like yeah. Speedos, if someone were on stage bodybuilding show or something yeah what made it worse is that it was like this light neon blue or something so you could see details <laughs> i'm just like what are you doing it's like tadal how do you like me now like, this was his look it was a black long sleeve kind of a rainproof sweater he had on uh-huh. and then just neon underwear wow man i saw it for maybe three seconds less than that I turned my head over there. I didn't want to see that anymore when I saw it. Well, it's burned in my memory until the day I die. What goes through somebody's mind to work out in your underwear? Dude, that's like a nightmare that he had, but this time it was real. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if that's even in line with gym policy to work out in underwear like that or Speedos. I don't know. It's like one of those weird things. The lines are blurred. I feel like Every time I work out, I'm interrupted by having to take a piss. Yes, it can sometimes be an awkward situation, especially if the person next to you is having a situation. Like just the other day at my job, I was fighting demons myself. But the guy next to me must have been fighting God because the amount of stress he was under was incredible and the confidence too. First off, he's talking very loudly on a phone. I don't know who. It could have been his dad for all I know. And who then, has a conversation when they're taking a dump? Dude, he's like, he has his priority straights. He's got to make money while he's doing stuff. Okay. So anyways, so after that, he hangs up and he's still fighting God himself at this point. You hear a little oh. going on. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, there's no way. He opens a bag of chips and he's just chomping while he's blasting YouTube on his phone. Well taking a dump. Yeah, that's he was I mean, if you gotta bring out snacks, dude, there's something wrong with your stomach. <laughs> you just can't sit in there for hours. And make it worse, when I left, I heard him choking on chips. <laughs> <laughs> oh like and just yesterday I went into the restroom again and all you hear was a dude going, ah, <laughs> It was, it was been a weird week for me. You had some challenges in the stall there. Well, I didn't. The dude next to me did. (laughs) I was fine. I mean, I was, it was a situation, but. Did you feel like maybe saying something? Dude, I I was going to offer my prayers to him (laughs) because you got to bring out snacks. Knock on the stall. Hey, buddy, you all right in there? (laughs) You know, speaking of taking a piss, when I was 18 years old, my buddy came into my room that morning with some Laker tickets. I got to go to one of the last games played in the Great Western Forum. It's my 18th birthday. We got a party bus. I got so lit 
oh, already. You we stopped it. <laughs> you pre-gamed, huh? <laughs> pre-gamed. You could put it that way. <laughs> we haven't eaten yet, so oh, dear I'm loading up on beer at 18 years old. As you do. In the party bus, we stop at a Mexican restaurant for breakfast, buffet style. I'm feeling good. I'm buzzed. I'm hungry. I'm ready to go. So I'm third, fourth played in. We are ready to go, and I got to unload and take a piss in the bathroom. You know, naturally, beers in my system. And Hispanic food tends oh, to yeah. do that. It was, it was happening. We leave the bathroom, and we turn our heads. There's this man in front of the urinal. His hands are on his hips. He spread full eagle. Oh, good. His hips and torso are protruded in the direction of the urinal. <laughs> He's looking up into the sky, full-on superhero pose. We were cracking up. We're young kids. When we're out of the bathroom, he goes, no, I can't pass this up. So he cracks the door open and puts his mouth through the crack. <laughs> and he says, yelling, here I come to save the day. We get back in the bus. I get loaded up on more beer, and we have a great time at the Lakers game. Anyway... That's that. Let's get on to what we want to talk about today. Over the years, as a personal trainer, fitness director working with individuals, I've noticed a process that people go through when they're changing, a transformation. It's fascinating because once somebody makes a choice to change, they make a decision to change. Their heart and their mind is rightly disposed to making a complete transformation. And the first step that I've noticed, the client goes through a learning process. They go through a real change that's associated with gathering information. They take in knowledge. I don't mean knowing of a subject or discipline. I'm talking about knowing. And there's a difference. And I'll try to illustrate it for you. Do you know the neighbor that lives a few blocks away from you? You may know of him. Do you know him? I see. So there's a clear difference mm -hmm. in knowing and knowing of. Would you lend the neighbor you know of $10,000? Oh, no. Now we begin to understand what truly gathering information is coming to know your subject everybody knows about exercise they've seen it in their lives they heard of and seen nutrition knowing means that you have an intimate relationship with the fundamentals laws and principles of your subject or discipline yeah and then there's always those videos that people only see of these huge guys grunting with this ridiculous weight and that's what they think working out is. And there's no relationship between the process of learning and gathering and incorporating knowledge into their inner being. All that's shown is the results of this first step I'm speaking of. The knowledge that someone's gathering, incorporating, integrating into themselves must be real knowledge and accurate knowledge, true knowledge. How do we know if the knowledge we're incorporating into our being is accurate? First of all, human beings are intelligent. 
We know when something rings true or not, don't we? In addition, we begin to look for examples of people who have accomplished what we want to accomplish. We want good nutrition. We want to start exercising. I just want pizza. <laughs> we need to be aware of influencers or individuals who are counterfeit. So what do you mean by counterfeit? Fake. Not real. Well, like, Putting on a show. Well, like they put water in their muscles or what do you mean? Well, individuals who pretend they know something. Oh. It's like a lot of entrepreneurs on Facebook, Instagram will show a picture of a vehicle, perhaps a Lamborghini, and their page is full of these cars and they're holding money in the picture or whatever the may case may be, whatever material possession they have with no real substance to their captions. And they have 100,000 followers with two likes, which clearly indicates that that individual has used a third party to collect or buy likes and followers. And you want to know what? That vehicle was probably rented just for the day mm -hmm. or even just the hour. That's been known to happen as well. Like I've recently been seeing around in the investing world that people say, if you give me $500, I can turn it to 10000 in like a month. I'm like, how are you going to do that? Are you a wizard? If it's too good to be true? Yeah, and it's bad because I feel like I have to explain this to people that you just can't do that magically. It's either something cheesy is going on or it's potentially a scheme. Yeah, and that goes back to what we talked about human behavior is you know that that doesn't sound right. Yeah, like I told him, like the guy that asked me about it, I was like, dude, you can do whatever you want. I wouldn't go anywhere near it, near it. We need to be aware of fakeness and counterfeit. When I worked at the bank in operations, we were trained how to identify counterfeit money. We didn't spend too much time studying fakes because once we got the basic idea of what a fake looks like, we moved on to studying the real thing. We spent hours studying real money. How do we know if somebody's real or not? A real example that you can be mentored by and learn from is a person that doesn't brag about how great they are. I'm the most humble person around. Somebody who flosses or flexes what they have. You want to be aware of that and that should raise some red flags to you. should ask some questions. Should I be looking to this individual as a mentor or an example of helping me incorporate knowledge of my discipline into my inner being? Is this individual helpful? What has he done to improve not only his life, but the lives of others? And great people usually have built something great for themselves and other people. Fake people use certain language. And real people use this language also, but they have the credibility to. They go on with their motivational speech or whatever they want to say. The questions are coming in. More and more people are when it comes to, and the subject that they want to preach about, 
they're establishing themselves as an expert in addition to manufacturing social proof. And even though they only have like 100 followers, it's like no one's asking you anything. Exactly. Most people are generally speaking, they like to keep to themselves and don't ask questions. Mm -hmm. Once you get to like a certain amount, then, you know, some people will start asking. The powerful effect of social proof is these individuals are presented or look like experts. Our minds automatically respond to expertise. I'm going to start walking around with a lab coat on. Then people would listen to you because you're an expert. That's yeah. how our brains work. I already have glasses, right? We need to have a controlled response if we truly want to integrate knowledge into ourselves. We need to see if this person is really credible and educate ourselves before we accept this individual's example or authority. So how would we go about doing that? Just learning about red flags. When you're dating somebody, what are red flags? I don't know. They won't leave you alone. Clingy. Texting you every five seconds. Clingy. Call you 20 times a day. That's clingy. Red flags are individual that gets angry if you don't text them. Oh. See, human beings naturally know when something is a red flag. Well, let's just pretend that I'm a fool. Okay, well, that happens too. If you were a fool, what you would need to know is how human behavior works. You would need to know how social media works. You need to know what real examples are in your field or discipline. In my field I was in, exercise and nutrition. I educated myself on what fad diets are, what's the difference between fad diets and sound nutrition. I learned proper form and technique for a variety of different exercises. I, know I learned how to apply those techniques to individuals. So you should be educating yourself on the subject, even though you're learning from someone else. It's good if you have something. Yes, it's good to self-educate ourselves on the discipline that we choose. And we need to look to examples, credible examples, to help us see what the end result would be from us incorporating knowledge into our ourselves. And something very fascinating happens if the person is gaining accurate knowledge, true and real knowledge, is looking to great real examples. Like I said, it's incorporated into them. They start participating in that knowledge. They begin to show a confidence, a trust, a faith in what they're learning. They expressed this trust and the knowledge they're gaining with their actions. They begin to apply this knowledge. They demonstrate their trust and the knowledge through the choices they make. My field, exercise and nutrition, I've seen individuals make exercise and nutrition a priority in their life. I've noticed their family and their friends observe their behavior. They notice a change in their activities. They begin to gain confidence and it becomes a powerful motivating force which causes a harmony between them and their discipline. It fortifies their confidence through continuing to learn and grow in their discipline. 
Interesting. And those are just first couple steps that I'd like to discuss on this podcast of what I observed through my 20 years of experience with exercise and nutrition and working as a trainer and director. There are at least three more steps that I have observed that I'll discuss in another podcast. Here's an interesting point. I'll read it. I know and you know people who blunder through life trying to wigwag other people into becoming interested in them. Of course, it doesn't work. People are not interested in you. They are not interested in me. They are interested in themselves, morning, noon, and after dinner. The New York Telephone Company made a detailed study of telephone conversations to find out which word is the most frequently used. You have guessed it. It is the personal pronoun, I, I, I. It was used 3,900 times in 500 telephone conversations. I, 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 I. When you see a group photograph that you are in, whose picture do you look for first? If we merely try to impress people and get people interested in us, we will never have many true, sincere friends. Friends, real friends, are not made that way. And that's a book from Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Hmm. That's a lot of eyes. And here's the reality. Nobody cares. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Nobody does. And later on in the book, I've read this book through, he says to be successful with making friends and influencing people, we need to be interested in them, and there's no traffic on that road, he claims. And it's so true. Okay, there's a, a point in a book that I appreciated. We got a video clip this week, DO3. All right, it's from Jordan Peterson. Look, when you're a kid, you're all potential. It's chaotic potential. It can manifest itself in any number of ways. And you, you, maybe you don't want to give that up. So you're like Peter Pan. You want to be a kid forever because you don't want to give up the potential. And you look out in the world and all you see are Captain Hooks, you know, who've lost a hand, who are chased by death because that's the clock and the crocodile. It's already got a t taste of him. He's terrified by death and he's a tyrant. Well, I don't want to grow up to be that. So I won't be disciplined at all. Well, that's no good. Because the way the potential transforms itself into actuality is through discipline. Well, they say, well, I don't know what to do. It's like, that's okay. Nobody does. Go do something. Do the best thing that you can think of. Put the best plan you have into practice. It's not going to be perfect, and it will change along the way. But it will change partly because you become disciplined pursuing the path. And as you become disciplined, you become wiser. And as you become wiser, you become able to formulate better and better plans. Very good. Yeah, I always I always like listening to Jordan Peterson because he always gives really sound advice. Okay, meme of the week. This was great. It was a cartoon style, comic book style, boxy kind of thing. First box, I got promoted. Second box, I bought a house. All these people are celebrating. Third box, I got married. Fourth box, I got out of bed. Here you have all these life milestones, right? 
promotion, buying a house, getting married. You can go on having kids, raising a family. An individual with a chronic illness, a milestone for them is just getting out of bed. Getting out of bed for an individual who lives with a chronic illness is a victory. Yeah. We got a weird fact today. Yes. You know those spider webs you always see in the corner of your room, in your attic, your basement, and all that type of stuff? Yeah, cobwebs. Yeah. Spider webs were used as bandages in ancient times. It's pretty cool. It's very strange, actually. Because why would you do that? Well, in ancient Greece and Rome, doctors used spider webs to make bandages for their patients. Spider webs supposedly had natural antiseptic and antifungal properties, which can help keep wounds clean and prevent infection. It also said that spider webs are rich in vitamin K, which helps promote clotting. So next time you're out of bandage, you can just head up to your attic, basement, wherever you want. Interesting. How do you think that happened? Maybe field medics stuff their medical bags with spider webs. No, that's that's what kind of freaks me out. Because how did that happen? Someone just had a spider web wrapped up around their arm like, hey, it's faster. I wonder how they figured that out. It's just like, why'd you start milking that cow, bro? That's weird. Why are you drinking it? Doctors back then couldn't ascertain the benefits of a spider web in relation to the vitamins and the blood clotting properties. They just knew that it worked. Yeah. It's also just one of those things that we tend to take for granted how smart people were actually back then. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening to the Chronically Real podcast. We're going to take the next couple weeks off for the holidays. We hope you all enjoy your time off from your jobs and enjoy your families. And hit me up on Instagram, CMT Strong, or email us if you want to be a guest or you have something to share, inspiring. The Chronically Real podcast at gmail.com. We'll see you after the holidays. <laughs>